0: Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for his Majesty the King.
1: Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm your co-host, Rachel. Roberta is under the weather this week, so we are joined by a dear friend of the podcast, Romney Smith, to talk about all the royal news of the week. A quick reminder: Romney is a morning reporter for NBC New York. You'll remember her behind-the-scenes access to Harry and Meghan's New York City visit back in 2021. But also, she's been royally obsessed since Princess Diana. Welcome, Romney. It's so good to see you.
2: Thank you. It's so good to see you, too. It is exciting to be here, and there's always so much going on with the royals. And it's been a minute, but I've been listening to the podcast, and I'm ready to get into it today.
1: Oh, I absolutely can't wait. And before we dig in, because I, I'm going to try to do this as well as Roberta does, I can't quite pull it off, but I'm going to do some royal housekeeping real quick. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at royallyobsessedpodcast or send us an email with all any and all royal feedback, info at gallerypodcast.com. So Romney, you and I chatted ahead of this this recording, but I'm going to give everyone that's listening a sneak peek of what's coming up. We've got a banner birthday for the king, plus a conversation that Roberta and I had last week with a very special royal guest, Jonathan Dimbleby. He penned the Prince of Wales biography back in 1994 and broke the news in their ITV conversation about the state of Charles and Diana's marriage. There's more. The Crown Part 1 is here, out tomorrow on Netflix. We're also discussing the Princess of Wales's shaping us symposium and so much more
0: and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail
1: first up romney what are we sipping it's time for the royal refreshment
2: i am sipping on some orange and tangerine infused water okay that sounds incredible i'm trying to be healthy (laughs)
1: Wait, so did you make the infused part of it yourself then? Not today. Sometimes I do. Not today. I have
2: a pitcher that I put the fruits and mint leaves in the middle. But today I just use this liquid thing that I just had to water. Yeah.
1: That sounds amazing. Well, I will say in Charles's honor, I did research that his preferred cocktail of choice is a Martini. You know, the mm. queen was all about like the G, G and T's, gin and tonics. But yes. according to Tina Brown, Charles enjoys this particular cocktail with equal portions gin and dry vermouth, but there's no intel on how he garnishes it.
2: I was just about to say dirty olive or stuffed olive. Yeah, or it seems
1: yeah. important. That's the mm. key piece of intel. Are you a martini person or no? I am not. I like to hold I them because they're either. pretty, but I don't drink them. And they feel so New York, but I just, I yeah, I don't drink them either. Very Yeah, I wish I did. I might have to try. (laughs) (laughs) Straight
2: liquor. It's pretty, but it's not my jam. And now, This
0: Week in Royal History.
1: All right, but we are going to skip the listener email this week and get right into the news. This week in Royal History, we are reflecting on... King Charles' birthday. He was born November 14th, 1948. Cue the gun salutes this week. On Tuesday, the King celebrated the Big 7-5. Charles Philip Arthur George was born on November 14th, 1978, as I said, at Buckingham Palace. He became heir apparent at three years old. He held onto that role for 70 years throughout his mother, Queen Elizabeth II's reign. Last year, when she passed, he became the oldest person to assume the British throne at age 73. It's kind of remarkable how much of Charles' life we have witnessed.
2: It's interesting, being born into that role, knowing that he would assume the role of the king only upon the death of his mother. That's a heavy weight to bear, but he seems like he's fitting into the role Quite nicely. And his party, I mean, he seemed all smiles at his party.
1: I know. What did you think of the picture? You mean the one that was the private event? Because there's been so much this week.
2: You know, honestly, all the pictures he's been smiling and just joyful. And one thing I absolutely love is despite anyone's feelings about him, you got to give it to someone who's determined and dedicated to have fun. In their 70s, they've seen a lot of life. They've experienced a lot of things um, for good and for bad. And so for him to say, you know what? I'm going to make the best of this. Yeah. I can't ask for more. So I just like that he's so jovial and celebrating.
1: I know. Well, and they had that Instagram video that the royal family Instagram account released just kind of it was a little chaotic to watch, but it showed just the <laughs> length of his life. <laughs> picture after picture floating in with all these effects, but it yeah. really was amazing. I mean, he has lived so many lives and done so many things and has so, so many hobbies and obviously his love life has been highs and lows and uh we'll talk about that as we touch on the crown. <laughs> but so this week he had numerous celebrations. On Monday, he The Prince's Foundation hosted a party in his honor at Highgrove House in Gloucestershire. On Tuesday, it was the launch of the Coronation Food Project, which this he penned an op-ed for the big issue, which is tackles homelessness. William has done a lot with them. But the Coronation Food Project is Charles's initiative to address the gap between food waste and food insecurity in the UK, which is obviously a huge problem with the cost of living crisis there going on. Yeah. And then he stepped out for the launch of that. But then the big event, to me seemed the private celebration at Clarence House where we saw the arrivals of Kate and William, Princess Beatrice, Mike and Zara, so many. We only saw the car like above the above the steering wheel, but they looked so glam.
2: Always looking glam. And I'm 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 not going to go there yet, but Kate has been hitting all the points for me recently. And
1: yes, I know. I'm I'm excited to hear your feelings on that because she did step out. I think it was ID'd, which is impressive again, above the steering wheel, a glittery green dress from needle and thread. It was what she was wearing last night. And, you know, I think just knowing that that Charles had that kind of private moment, I was looking back at how he celebrated his 50th birthday and it was a private party that he had that Camilla hosted. But Mm -hmm. it was 250 people. And last night seemed to be a lot more intimate. I don't think you can call 250 people intimate.
2: (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think that's really intimate. But I guess for royal, maybe that is.
1: Yes, yes. Here's the thing. I love the fact
2: that he is incorporating giving back and helping feed people. Like literally one of the necessities of life, right? We need shelter. We need food. We need clothing. We need medicine. So one of the big pillars and something that his country is definitely struggling with, the fact that he's making that part of his celebration, I think it's a wonderful thing. Now, obviously, I'm here for the pomp and circumstance. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. I love the fact that he's going (laughs) to back. But I'm also like, show me the cake. What kind of tea are you sipping? What are we wearing? And so for Kate in the purple, I mean, she, to me, I always think of her as wearing more muted colors. So I just, I love, I, I don't know if she chose a new fashion stylist, but I'm just loving everything that she's giving right now.
1: Oh, my gosh. I know. And we're going to definitely talk about that purple suit, which I feel Mm. like you and I are equally excited about. I did also want to mention that we saw some family tributes this week. William posted an Instagram tribute to his dad. It was a solo pic of him and Charles on Instagram. There was also a reported phone call between him and Harry, which supposedly breaks months and months of not talking. And a follow-up report, again, these reports are kind of suspect, where is the sourcing coming from, saying that it went really well, the conversation was warm, and there will be another call. So I don't know what you make of that.
2: You know, I hope it's true. You know, you hate to hear of anyone having strife in their family relationships, but at the same time, doesn't every family have drama? Like, don't we Every all family. have, you know, we have that one person or the holidays <laughs> might send someone a little loopy or we're short on patience. And so for me, looking at them and knowing that it's unconfirmed reports, I can only hope that they are real. I'm like, this is good gossip. This is a positive thing. So I'm really hoping that it's it's true.
1: I know. And I think a lot is going to be coming out in the coming weeks with Endgame, Omid Scobie's new book. Like, there's yes. just going to be a lot kind of resurfaced. And another thing that is resurfacing old difficulties on the week of Charles's birthday is the crown. And that has been just my only in in my Instagram feed. I don't know about yours, but it's just the crown premiere. Like, cause the right, the actor strike is now over. So we're seeing the timing. Yes. The timing
2: of everything. I'm like, how was this done on purpose? I just, it
1: has to have been, it has to have been, I feel like the Netflix always, I guess also, how could they plan the end of the actor strike in, it just all is working out so well for them.
2: It really is, and I look. I've had alarms set on my phone since they announced the date when yes. they said November sixteenth. I immediately went to my phone. I was like, iPhone reminder, calling yes, yes. sick. Just kidding. I wasn't calling sick. I'm still on maternity leave, so um, I'll be watching. <laughs> look, I was kind of upset they broke it up into two parts.
1: Yes, tell me. I want to know what your reaction was because it is it, it hits tomorrow, and this is a great segue into talking all about that. I want to
2: binge it all. Partially because I have the time to do it. But, like, it's not a long wait, right? So I'll watch the first episodes that they release, probably within mm, a day or two. (laughs) Let's be real. And then I'll just wait until, I think it's, what, December? December, mid-December?
1: December December 16th. It's exactly a month later.
2: Yes. (sighs) I mean, at least it's not pulling, like, a year You know, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, we couldn't handle that. Yeah, no. So I'm like, okay, it's just a month. And I'm thinking this is my hypothesis that they're just going to cram so much in that it's going to take me a month to dissect it,
0: rewatch
2: it, you know, talk about it, blog about it. And so I think that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping there's just so much crammed in that I need a breath to really take it all in and absorb it. And then, of course, compared to what I perceive as reality and what I perceive as fiction and just character development and all of that.
1: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Well, I think for me, also, part one, I'm really nervous. Like, I feel like this is like, it's not that I have to watch it quickly for work purposes, which it's not work because I love the royals so much. But I am anxious about reliving something that I very much remember reliving or living through in 1997. Yeah. And I know that's the that's where we're at. And I think they're giving us, I'm curious if that's the reason for the breathing space between part one and part two. But- We'll see. That would be incredible.
2: But so much happened after that that I'm wondering if it's going to be within the first like three to four episodes or if it's the halfway point. I also read online that they are not, out of respect for the family, not going to show what was depicted as the moment of impact where Diana lost her life. Which I think, one, is very respectful and awesome. But Mm -hmm. two, it almost makes me wonder how they're going to do it. Is it just going to be a car driving into a tunnel and that's it? Fade to black or yeah, are we going to maybe hear something? I'm I'm really wondering or is it just going to be she gets in the car, drives off and then the next scene is Charles waking up his sons to tell them. I'm wondering, I'm really wondering how they're going to do that.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I mentioned how I feel like it's coming out the week of Charles's birthday and it dredges up a lot. And as he's, you know, all around the UK, we're seeing these covers like I think it was the Radio Times cover has the recreation of Princess Diana's 1991 Vogue cover where Elizabeth Debicki looks exactly like Diana did. So that's all around them. But same for Harry and William. Like it's it's just It has to be such a weird experience to have all of this not only brought up, but fictionalized because a lot of this, what we're seeing is also no one knows what actually happened. So you and I have to text and discuss as soon as we watch. (laughs) Girl, I'm on it. All right. We now get to talk about the purple suit, which I know you're very excited about. But Kate and her Shaping Us symposium. Credit to Kate, by the way, for doing this the morning after that clearance house party because I... Obviously, love Kate, and I think she's the most photogenic. But you could see some signs of fatigue. I have to say, from that late night, early morning, high pressure morning. But I think she moms carry on, right? It's like they they have the job. I would be nervous.
2: You know, one thing I've learned: I've only been a mom for about five months, but yes. it's it's moms just get it done. You have to. You have no option. So one thing that's really interesting about Kate is watching her, knowing that not only is she a woman and a mother, but a royal mom. And yeah. so what she does has influenced the moment she says, I use this for my kids. We're all Googling it or trying to get it on Amazon. Yep, yep. One thing I'm just obsessed with is her message, right? Because in my opinion, it cuts across everything. So you have shaping us, right? But think about us, collective society, women, mothers, children. It cuts across whatever race you are, religion, your background, your neighborhood, your socioeconomic status. Every mother... And fathers, obviously, and families. But we want our little ones to be safe, happy, and healthy. That's really it. So the fact that she's championing this and saying, look, not everyone's equal. We need to give resources. And here's my plan. And, like, I'm I'm a champion for this. I think that helps her connect with so many people. Because who's really going to be against that? I mean, really? Yeah. If you're against babies, you're just... That's a that's a that's a no,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a no. I know it's and it's such a clear passion for her too. I like that this is her main initiative, and this symposium was really a huge moment for her. It was held as the Design Museum in London, and it showed her ability to kind of connect the dots. She did research, an international study that involved 110 experts from 21 countries around the globe about this critical need to nurture social and emotional skills in the same way we do reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I'm so behind that, especially like I, you know, one thing I've noticed because Finn, my son, is now five and he's in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that just blows me away is how much mental health is integrated into his curriculum. And it never was when I was growing up, right? Like, Yeah, I don't recall that. Even this weekend, and I, Kate, I'm jumping all over, but Kate mentioned how Prince Louis has talked to her about how he has a feelings wheel or a feelings chart. I think it was a, a wheel, like a motions wheel in his classroom, mm-hmm. which Finn definitely has. I think this is very commonplace. So we were out this weekend and Finn was grabbing words. He was nervous about it being dark, like daylight savings and all. It's like throwing him off. But he used the word, I'm feeling nervous. And it was so striking to me that he chose wow. that word because it was so articulate and I like that he I was very I was like I love that you were able to access an exact word choice in that moment to explain what you were feeling because I could immediately understand and I think sometimes that's still something as an adult that I struggle with. Um, one impressive okay, that's yeah. very No, impressive. no, Here's I mean, something. it's the feelings, it's this emotions wheel in the classroom. It's so, it's in every classroom now. I think it's really and important. The thing
2: is I follow um, someone on Instagram, I think her name is Dr. Siggy, and Oh, she I love Dr. Siggy, yes, yes. Like when kids have meltdowns or whatever, or they're acting out, it's never because they're a bad kid. Her and I love her whole theory of there are no bad kids, it's just they have these big emotions that they don't know how to yeah. express because they don't have the words for it. So, exactly. I think Kate talks about you know, the emotional wheel and really getting our kids in touch with it, which is something that me and you were like, what? It was happy, yeah. sad, <laughs> angry. That was it. And so the fact that we're not only acknowledging it, but teaching it to them and then showing it like it, you have value. It's okay to express all of these because they're all feelings and they're all valid. And here's how we handle those big feelings. I think that's going to make, hopefully, for a much better future <laughs> if kids yes. know how to not only identify those feelings, but how to handle them appropriately. I think that's a win-win situation.
1: I totally agree.
2: But I have to go back to this purple suit. I just, <sighs> I just like have a moment. <laughs> Every time I see it, I just literally gasp because one, she needs to wear this color more frequently because it is gorgeous yes. on her. It is modern. Sometimes she can be too conservative, in my opinion, Um, and yes. I don't like frocks that make her look Older than she is, she is a modern woman, and so to me, this purple suit is everything. It is hitting in the right places. It is cutting her body perfectly. It's not too tight. It's not too loose. Um, I don't believe she had a shirt underneath. Um, She might have had a shell, but you just couldn't see it. But yeah, I thought it was absolutely stunning on her. And what I love is that it's it makes her seem approachable. It's warm, it's fun yet authoritative, and I think that's the exact vibe that she wanted for the shaping as natural um, national symposium,
1: yeah, exactly. I totally agree, but my question for you, you might have this opportunity more than me where I want to have a moment to wear a purple suit like that in my life and I just I work from home now can mm-hmm. I I just this is if there was a royal buy recently. I just want a purple suit like it's such a you should exemplary. Get one. right I mean <laughs> jewel tones look, you know me I
2: wore. In my job interview in New York City, a hot pink dress. You I am did. not, I did. And I am not of the thought process that in order to be professional, you have yeah. to be black or navy or gray. My thing is, wear what you feel like wearing, it? and the confidence will speak for itself. When she's in this purple, I feel like she walked a little straighter. Also, her yes. shoes were killing it, but it's like, Get yourself a purple suit. Okay, you work from home. Guess what? You can kill it on Zoom, kill it yes, on StreamYard, whatever, whatever the thing <laughs> is. And you, the best part I've about New York City, in my opinion, is I posted something on Instagram a long time ago, and I was like, I want these sparkly pants, but I don't have a reason. And someone said, girl, you live in New York City. That is the reason. So there okay, you go. That is buy the purple my suit. new yeah, catchphrase that on phrase. That's incredible. You buy a purple suit, and your husband says, well, what are you doing? I'm going to the store. <laughs> that's what I'm doing in my purple suit yes what's the reason oh my I'm alive gosh. and life is good that's the reason because I look good in this that's the reason
1: <laughs> I will text you the receipt after I make an investment in a knockoff version of the purple suit I will not be buying the Amelia Wickstead but very oh, correct
2: good. we, we have to save our <laughs> coins we don't have that royal budget yes. but yeah no I, I love this for Kate so much and I want to see more of this I felt like she was beaming I know and I want to see yes. her looking her best
1: Love it. Well, and I did want to say, because she does get flack for her work on this being such a slow burn, but I do feel like the more she puts pressure on this cause, it's just like the platform she's giving it is ultimately putting pressure on the government. She can't change that policy. But I like the spokesman for the initiative today said there are levers to pull even if policy isn't one of them to create progress. And that's kind of Kate's role here. So I thought that was an interesting summation of the work and what they're aiming to do.
2: You can imagine it's a very delicate balance. She can't go. She actually can't go in there as a bulldozer and say, this is what we have to do. This is what we're going to do. Make it happen. She can't do that. And we all know that. So I think she's wielding her power where she has it to be a very uh, strong influence to say, this is clearly where I stand. This is very important to me. Therefore, you might want to pay attention. And I think we are. Mm -hmm. We are.
1: Definitely. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to segue and introduce the conversation that Roberta and I had last week with Jonathan Dimbleby. Ro-Rose, this week, King Charles celebrated a milestone birthday, 75. To properly honor the occasion, we are thrilled and honored to welcome journalist, presenter, and author Jonathan Dimbleby to the podcast. He famously penned the 1994 book, The Prince of Wales, A Biography, and also interviewed the then Prince of Wales on ITV that same year for what became a watershed moment for Charles, but also the monarchy. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us.
3: It's my pleasure.
1: So we want to talk about King Charles then and now. It's been nearly 30 years since that conversation and that, all the research that you did for both the book and the interview on TV. Thinking back to that moment with the then Prince Charles in the early 90s for your book, now as he turns 75, what characteristics about him have stayed the same? The
3: fundamental quality of the man has not changed. His beliefs, his attitudes, his ability to communicate with people, his warmth, his sense of obligation and duty have not changed. Of course, he's 30 years on, plus his particular responsibilities have changed dramatically recently, of course, because he is now the king. But the essential person has not changed. And that is something that I hugely like and respect. When I first met him, I really rate this guy. I think I first met him but people thought I was sort of a pretty independent kind of guy who was not going to soft-soap him. And I looked skeptically at him. I, mean, I had nothing against him, but nothing particularly strongly in his favor, except I liked some of the things he had said about, amongst other things, the environment. And I came to like him, to grow very fond of him, and to respect him deeply. And I do.
1: Are there any particular traits you've noticed Standing out to you that have evolved since that conversation and those interviews in 1994, or over the course of knowing him,
3: I think that in that time, which was in some ways very difficult in his personal life, as everyone is probably aware, given that it had a huge excess of close attention, often of a very prurient kind, he has since then found extraordinary personal happiness with his now Queen Camilla, and that has made a very great difference to his way of seeing the world. She brings him down to earth. She is warm. She's outgoing. And any uh, doubts that he might have had, he could share with her. And that was a great strength and reassurance, a partner, a real partner for life. And I think that has made him far more confident about facing the challenges and not feeling that he's going to let people down. That was always his worry.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm curious, what is it like for you to see Camilla by his side? If you had a crystal ball in 1994, could you have predicted her role as queen, where we are today?
3: The answer is yes. I knew her a little bit after that, and I liked her. The problem is with a lot of the way in which we portray or interpret the role of the kin is we is we we treat them like sort of joke characters in a cartoon and they're supposed to either live up to or down to uh, an image that is created around them it's very difficult to pierce through that to find the real individuals and there's not much they can do about that because they can't go around laying bare their souls in public why on earth should they none of the rest of us do um, but they so people construct images the reality of the individuals, both of them, is that they are thoroughly good and decent people and mercifully happen
1: to love one another very deeply. That always comes across when we see them at events,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: You see how they often look at each other. It's very touching.
0: Yes, so much so. Speaking of that image, those caricatures on the podcast, we love to think of King Charles as sort of this emo king or emotional king. We've seen a lot of vulnerability from him recently, be it the pen incident, the fountain pen incident that he recently had the ability to poke fun at himself about. There's also, you know, his ease at showing emotion in high stakes situations, like when he appeared teary eyed in public following his mother's death as his biographer and friend do you think that description of an emo king sort of fits charles
3: it's, it's not the term that i would yeah. use is he a, is he a man of strong emotions yes he most certainly is i've seen him <laughs> weep listening to music i've seen him mm. laugh enormously at a at a shakespeare play sometimes in the theatre and i don't know whether others have <laughs> noticed it he, he laughs so distinctly that it's very difficult not to turn around and and see that he is laughing. Now, it was like a dictatorship and everyone had to fall. Now, the world is not like that. So people don't just turn around and, and all roar with laughter because the king laughs or all weep because the king weeps. But he does not mind sharing the sense that he has strong feelings. Now, he also has a great sense of dignity and propriety and so he's not going to mess around in some public role uh, in any way he, he sticks to the form and does so as we saw at the coronation you know quintessentially well and you know a very big challenge to be the central figure for all those hours at the at the coronation knowing that the whole world is watching you and wondering whether the equivalent of a, a spluttering pen will <laughs> assault you
1: absolutely
0: do you think that that is how he is behind the scenes as well? You know, what is he like when there's no one watching, when there's no cameras on him? He's a
3: very good mimic. He's a very, he's got, he's very good with anecdotes. He's got an elephantine memory. So he remembers names and places over a very long period. We forget, you know, he's been Prince of Wales since 1971. He was Prince of Wales from 1971 until he became king and in that role he traveled the world he's he's seen every american president for since certainly back to reagan and probably before and he has he's met heads of state all over the world he's met politicians all over the world and no less importantly he's met people living in very impoverished circumstances he has this passion for rural Life and for, uh, as we know, for organic agriculture. And he's been, and I don't think anyone in the world living now could possibly have been to more places and met more people of a greater variety around the world than anyone. There's no one could have done the same amount. Certainly, no politician, no no head of state.
1: Yeah. What would you say are your expectations for his reign?
3: I was always confident. You know, there was a great surge of feeling in this country that that no one could follow the queen that monarchy would go through a terrible crisis that maybe king charles would start to throw his weight around in some unseemly and inappropriate way i think some people quite wanted that to happen others were aghast at the prospect i never had any doubt partly i think because i'd talked to him about this i'm not the only person who talked to him about it of course but i talk to him about it and i was it was very clear to me that he knew there was a a distinction between being prince of wales and being king as as prince of wales you can shout the odds about the environment as king you can only in public speak in terms that have been approved by the government because that's the role of the head of state nonetheless within that he's still very capable of saying and what he thinks. it strikes me that because he acquired such a, a a huge reputation as an environmentalist long before others were on it, you know, he was he was instrumental in helping get the first Earth Summit in nineteen ninety two established. What he says now as King has an extraordinary weight, because of course people hang on every word when the king speaks. Partly it has to be said, in case he does go over the top, he doesn't. It's no accident that he he'd been on State visits in Germany, in France, and latterly in Kenya, just back from there. He has addressed the issues of the environment and has been picked up because he has a credibility because of the length of time that he's been involved in it. He's going to, next year, do the keynote speech at the next climate change conference in the Gulf. He's been asked to do it, and he's going to do it. Now, he, he is able to do that because... He really knows his stuff. People, when they meet him, they know that he cares. He's just come back from Kenya, which could have been a very difficult trip because of the colonial relationship, which was pretty brutal by the British. I, you know, I, it's, only, it's, it's, it's in my own professional lifetime, practically speaking. The mm-hmm. treatment of, the, of, the, of what became the independent party of government was brutal. He found a way of saying, I'm really sorry, terrible things were done without giving a formal apology which he can't because of the implications of that so far as the government is concerned so he he knows how to to weave his way through and i've always known that he could do that he knew what was coming he didn't he didn't he, didn't, he wasn't longing and waiting to have the crown on his head it's a burden it is a, at one level an imprisonment But it's a very important kind of imprisonment in our democracy, and particularly in in an environment where we live in very troubled times, to have a head of state, most people, not everyone, of course not, there are lots of people who think that it's a redundant and irrelevant role. I mean, good luck to him. It's a perfectly respectable view to hold. Who who look to the to the the institution for stability, for security, for saying what most of them are feeling in terms that most of them can make contact with. He's brilliant at that. So my my view of how he will be as monarch, you know, he's not gonna reign forever. You know, the sort of actuarial principles of life. He demographics tell you that, you know, he's not gonna be there for a very long time, certainly near as long as his mother, I think he will demonstrate that he is the man for this age um, in a way that many people could never have imagined. I always thought that he would.
1: That's so interesting. I'm curious what you make you know, when we look at some of the footage that you have from the ITV documentary and all of that, something we've watched over and over again, him with his sons, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what you make of the headlines that continue to swirl around his r- relationship with both William and Harry.
3: I saw him when, with them when they were young and I actually saw him in Burke Hall, which is where he loves to go. And I think he will be going this Christmas. So I read, don't, I don't know for certain. And he was like any father with his children, you know loving, easily frustrated, they sort of ruffled his hair when they didn't want to and admit they were meant to be going to bed, that kind of thing, very good, close relationship. And I think one of the great cruelties at that time were the suggestions that some made that he was cold and indifferent towards his children. I just don't believe there's any evidence for that. And he has always felt that. I think it's been obviously extremely problematic with Harry and the relationship between William and Harry. I mean, that is self evidently the case because not least because of what Harry decided it was appropriate to say in public. And I suspect that that caused a great deal of distress, maybe some very deep frustration as well, but the King and as Prince of Wales, before he became King, when this uh, became a big public issue, never said anything. Publicly, because he couldn't. He wouldn't. It would be it would have been regarded by him as wrong so to do. Um so it's not been comfortable. Does he love them? He's a father, yes. The present Prince of Wales, William, is very different from his father in lots of ways, but I think his father, looking at how he performs, would be very pleased. He's uh, picking up a mantle of Prince of Wales very effectively.
1: Yeah. I think we're curious, too, as someone who in your role once blew the lid off the monarchy with the publication of your book, along with the ITV interview with the now king. What was your reaction to Spare? I guess, additionally, how are these why are these first person accounts and interviews with members of the royal family so valuable?
3: I was aghast at at Spare because I thought that it was way over what anyone should say about their father in the role that they both were, and and particularly later what he said about Camilla. These were very cruel sentiments. Now, I don't doubt that he is sincere. I don't doubt that he does good works. I and mean, that's, that's not the issue. I think that he should have kept those thoughts to himself. I think they caused a great deal of pain and distress and actually did him no favors either. I think it's damaged him, except for those who believe that there are those who believe that every feeling that you have at any moment should be immediately expressed in public for the benefit of the world. Um, and actually, you know, he's more interesting to the world than most of us who go around, in my case, managing not entirely <laughs> to reveal to the world exactly what I think about this. and that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. I was going to say, we wanted to flash back to that ITV interview, your famous ITV interview, and the famous line from Charles about whether he was faithful in his marriage to Diana, quote, until it became irretrievably broken down, us both having tried. What was your reaction in the moment to that?
3: Let let me just put it briefly in context, because of course you were light on that conversation. And I've sort of given up saying the same thing, which I've been asked again and again for 30 years. However, it came in the context of a 90 minute film, which I made about him. And in this country, initially, the Times newspaper, you know, Washington Post, New York Times in this country, reported something else completely different, which was his views about, um, about faith. Not about, they didn't even pick it up. And I was quite surprised that it was picked up in such an extraordinary uh, fashion. let say two things about it. One is the accusations about his behavior were very public. I was making a long documentary, and I thought to have credibility about all the things that I wanted to be able to report on, I would have to ask him that question. I mean, you don't go in saying, I've heard a story, and I'd like to ask you about it. I mean, it's a deeply uncomfortable thing to do to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I felt I had to ask that question, and his response to it was very carefully calibrated, clearly. And I think I know that what he was saying is that he – had been, and I have no reason whatsoever to think that anyone has ever come up with any other compelling view to the contrary, or even valid view to the contrary, that he behaved totally honourably until their marriage had broken down. As we know, they had both gone their own ways. It was a deeply unhappy situation. What was the reaction to it? Well, it hit headlines all over the place. Of course it is. His reaction, it will all die down, Don't worry about it from my point of view. And that is what has happened. And it's now old history apart from you, Rachel and Roberta wanting to 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 (laughs) rake over these very cold coals.
0: We know people are wondering, so we had to ask. (laughs) Well, we are curious too, you know,
1: the final season of The Crown is right around the corner as we chat. Do you have any bones to pick with how your storyline was depicted last season? Did they mostly get it right? Any, any criticisms?
3: I must be honest with you. Once I realized that The Crown was uh, veering away from a reality which I understood, I stopped watching. Okay. I knew the early the early part, and those those parts which I didn't know about the past, I found very illuminating. But once the Queen started to go to an Aquarius house, get out of a car and go knock on the door and go in, I felt, excuse me, this could not and did not happen. I am told that I'm portrayed very sympathetically in it, but I haven't watched it, and I'm quite busy, and I'm not that to be honest i'm really not that curious i mean pick out all the flaws in it you know there are people who've picked over it to point out scores of errors so you if you want to watch it as a drama watch it as a drama but mm-hmm. don't confuse drama with reality because the yes. two are very different and i think that must be the case from what i've read in in this series as well and it's called, it's, all, it's all brilliantly done brilliantly produced it's beautiful cleverly, cleverly written uh, acted very well um you know i've seen the. Pictures of the, those who portrayed the Queen or Princess Margaret very brilliantly, but I haven't watched the recent ones, so I can't tell you. And and I and I don't want my blood to start to boil, so i yeah. probably better not watching them.
1: So you made it through the Claire Foy era? Is that like the first couple mm-hmm. seasons, the young Queen? Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it.
3: Exactly. I thought she was superb, and I thought it was a very, very interesting uh, and enjoyable series to watch. And once it got clearer, closer to. A reality which i was more familiar with i found myself averting my gaze in favor of succession and other things
0: oh yes i mean we support you on succession yes (laughs) all right well last question jonathan we want to turn back to the present king charles 75 is a huge birthday we're hoping he celebrates it properly can you share any tidbits about how he might celebrate it with camilla a long walk somewhere, you know, that they love? What is his favourite drink? What do you think?
3: I know what he likes doing in private. He likes walking. He loves walking in Scotland. He likes listening to music, Bach, Mozart. He likes going to the theatre. He likes painting. And he's produced hundreds of watercolours. But as I understand it, his birthday is going to be a sort of quiet public birthday in which he's going to go to those communities who he wants most to demonstrate his concern and regard for so I didn't, there's not going to be as far as I know a great big bash maybe I'll be proved wrong it's going to happen and I haven't been invited you never know
1: <laughs> no. amazing well Jonathan it is such an honor as we said, expressed earlier to have you on the podcast thank you so much for taking the time
0: It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows.
1: What a great chat that was. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, Romney, I'm so thrilled you're here to do this with me, our weekly highs and lows. Do you want to kick us off with your low?
2: (sighs) Oh my gosh. You know what? My head's in a fog right now. I don't know that I have a low, but I definitely have a high. So I'm going to transfer it back to you for the low, but then I, I definitely have a high.
1: Okay. All right. And you can maybe share this low. I think you might appreciate this given like your background on the Royals. I feel like my low is just a little bit of the Royal overlap lately. Roberta and I have talked about this briefly, but this week in particular felt like whiplash for me because we had a lot about Earthshot, right? All that aired this past weekend. Poor Earthshot. It really has gotten lost in the shuffle. Then we had Remembrance Day. We have Charles's birthday, Kate's symposium. And I feel like the old way that the Royals operated was that you couldn't overlap. Like the Royal Diary was you didn't want to ever steal headlines from each other. Right. But it also, I guess, served another purpose that I didn't recognize at the time that it made it more easier for royal watchers to stay up to speed on everything, because I do feel like I only have a certain amount of time to talk about each thing and, and follow each thing and my busy life. And I'm very interested as a royally obsessed person, but it, it just felt like everything was competing this week.
2: I agree. It's a lot. However, that's also a sign of modern royals, right? Yeah. You almost don't have the space to give everything a week of its own for us to fawn over. Like, you kind of have to say, look. And they're
1: doing a lot. They're working. So I guess it's that's true. That's the the other side of the coin. It's a lot to
2: keep track of, but I think that's good because, I, I look, I'd rather have it be too much to take in than too little.
1: Yes, you're right. You're right. And it has been kind of a slow summer, so they're getting back at it and we have the holiday season. So I like this Alternate I'm review of it. this. I want to see that holiday card. I'm ready for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. You're <laughs> high. You're high. I'm ready for it. Okay.
2: So, you know, your girl loves to eat. Okay. I love the good food <laughs> and I love good dessert. I always say for dessert because I feel like, you know, it's just sent from heaven. King Charles birthday cake at Highgrove <laughs> is beautiful. It's got all these layers and the bottom looks like it's a gold and white flower. And it's just beautiful. And the cake I don't even know what flavor it was, but I want some, I'm sure, which is melt in my mouth. And it just, to me, it made me smile when I saw it. I don't know if I'm the only person that is obsessed with like these cake it shows, make it British bake off, anything oh, to yeah. do with cake or sugar rush, whatever they're called. I love it. And so I thought this cake was so pretty that the first time I saw it, I just beamed with happiness. I'm like, I just want a slice of it. So that was my high. It, it probably should have been the purple suit, but... I'm going to give it to the cake. This week, the cake takes the spot for me. It's
1: all right. I support. I support. I feel like that cake looked amazing. And I feel like hopefully we'll get a recipe or something at some point. Although I doubt I could recreate the exquisiteness that was that.
2: I wouldn't even try. When Megan and Harry got married, they remember their cake baker released the yes. recipe? And I thought, there's too many ingredients. Forget this. I'm not going to try
1: Did it. You tr- You didn't try Yeah, I know. I, I would love not. to attempt it. But it's it seems very complex. I would buy it. Yes. If someone made, let's say, a cupcake or like an
2: eight inch cake, I would absolutely buy it just to try it. Yeah. But once I saw, oh, it's got real lemon curd and vanilla. Forget it. I'm not doing that. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> no, we
1: don't have time. I know. I know. Someone, some bakery needs to recreate it. A royal bakery. 100. All right. My high is very frivolous in the scheme of all the news of the world. But Prince Williams' white sneakers for the Earthshot rehearsals. I am giving Earthshot a tiny bit of love here. But okay. he had these pictures behind the scenes that Chris Jackson snapped. And he just looked really down to earth. And it was just a change from the suit that he's always kind of the same old same old and he looked a little more modern a little more edgy I liked it I was like it just everyone should go check this out it's a really kind of laid back William and it was just for the rehearsals, but I'm like, you should integrate that more into your everyday fashion. I want to be excited about men, the Royal men's fashion. Yes. Again, I'm telling
2: you, I think they have a new stylist. Someone is creeping in there and saying, <laughs> Hey, where are these sneakers? It makes you look a little bit more casual, more relaxed, more relatable. Yes. Kate with the purse. I'm telling you, I think they have someone new in there and I am here for it all. We are used to seeing him very buttoned up, very posh, very professional. I like it. I like the sneakers.
1: Sneakers and cake for the win. Yes. Great highs. Great way to end this. Romney, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to give a quick reminder before we close to leave us a royal rating of a five star review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. A recent review we got from Jody says, love the pod. I think the women in the royal family should be talked about more for what they do and less for what they wear. But We do love the fashion, but good note. Thank you for writing us. Reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can drop us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. But till next week, Romney, will you join me for this and say God save the pod along with me? Yes. Till next week,
0: God God save save the pod. the pod. (laughs) Her majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.